Welcome to the Ingrained and Balanced Podcast, a place where busy adults can find the knowledge and inspiration to get back on track to living a healthier, well-balanced lifestyle. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ingrained and Balanced Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about overcoming adversity when you face an illness, something you just weren't prepared for, whether you're already living a healthy lifestyle or not, but realizing the things that you could be doing better and getting that ball rolling on the right path. We have a guest today who was working out. She was a gymnast. She was competing in bikini shows as a bodybuilder. Um, and But she got got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Talk about putting you off your path and making some life adjustments. Incredible story to tell. Can't wait to share it with you. We're going to get into what she's doing on a daily basis and also what she does for her clients. That's right. Her name is Sarah McAmer. She's now a strength training and fat loss coach who helps clients online to live a healthier more well-balanced lifestyle right up our alley. So we're really looking forward to this conversation. If you know or yourself or know anybody that's facing a disease, something that's stopping them from working out or eating right or whatever and just need a little advice or something they can relate to that can trigger that, that, that little thing in their mind to say, you know what? I need to start today. I need to start making some adjustments and living a healthier, better life, and I can beat this. I think you're going to like this conversation. Without any further ado, let's get into it. All right, Sarah, how are you today? That week first, thank you so much for joining us. We've been looking forward to this. I know you have a busy schedule, so thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to be on. Good, 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 good. Um, well, we have uh, an incredible story to share with you guys. Sarah's walked a long road, but she's living her best life. And I'm not even going to try and tell the story. So if you want to tell us what motivated you, what got you, you know, your wheels spinning to get you to where you are today, fill us in. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with Crohn's in college and uh, it wasn't a big deal. I had some symptoms. We weren't really sure what was going on. I had a colonoscopy and it was determined that I, I had ulcerative colitis. So I was like, cool, you know, we got it figured out. I was on medication and I was pretty good for a while, but being still in college, I like to party a little bit. So I was drinking quite a bit. I was, I was taking care of myself. I was eating the right foods that I, I thought I wasn't eating a ton of fast food or anything because that can agitate um, ulcerative colitis. It's an autoimmune disease and basically attack the intestines. So you have to kind of be careful of what you're consuming, but obviously the drinking didn't help. So it progressively um, just kind of got worse because of my daily habits and the way I was treating my body. I, I wasn't obviously that kind to it. I just kind of let it, you know, just stay at bay. I was like, it's fine. This is livable. It's not a big deal. You know, I wasn't feeling my best, but I wasn't feeling my worst. So moved to Chicago and it was a stressful job that I took and this kind of got started to get worse. And I noticed that there was some blood in my stool and more urgency to go to the bathroom. And before you knew it, I was kind of living in the bathroom, both at work and at home. 
And my parents were like, all right, you know, we need to kind of get this figured out. So we made an appointment at University of Chicago, but it was a four month wait list. And I was like, well, that's fine. You know, I, I, I can deal with it. Like, I don't know why I thought I could, but apparently I did. So this continued to get worse, more stress at work. And luckily I got fired on Valentine's Day. <laughs> I just remember this really clearly. And Valentine's Day, wow. <laughs> I know, right? So I was kind of thankful because I moved back to Michigan. I'm from Michigan originally. And I was like, cool, my mom can take care of me for a while. Because at this point, I was getting really sick. You know, I was going to the bathroom all the time, like up to 12 times a day, which is quite a bit. And what happens is when you eat, you don't, you're not absorbing any of the nutrients. So I was tired. I was losing weight. It was becoming a lot. And my mom and I didn't know anything really about the disease. So she was making me salads every night, which can be really rough on the digestive tract. <laughs> so it's like eating these salads, you know, just getting worse and worse. But if I only kind of took a turn, I had this like little zit on my face and I picked it and it grew within a few days, the size of a golf ball. It was literally a golf ball and it was weighing down my eye. That's how heavy this wow. mass was. Yeah, it, it was crazy. And I was like, I need to do something. So I went to the um, walk-in clinic and immediately they're like, you need to go to the hospital. Like, you know, cause is it going to go up to your brain? Like they had no idea what it was. So I was admitted um, to the hospital in my hometown and the doctors had never seen anything like this. So they didn't know what to do. Turns out this infectious disease, like walked in, doctor walked in and immediately took charge and they figured out it was called pyoderma. And basically, it's ulcerations on the skin due to Crohn's. And it's only seen usually below the legs. There's, I just read this the other day, that there's only three to 10 cases out of every million a year of pyoderma below the leg. And I had it on my face. So that was a little crazy. They had a lancet. I was in the hospital for 12 days. They gave me a um, steroid and it, it went down. But continuing, like, you know, I was still continuing to lose blood through my bowels, because that's what happens with Crohn's. Well, I didn't know I had Crohn's yet, but with ulcerative colitis. And for whatever reason, they didn't give me another colonoscopy. So within a few weeks, again, I was having symptoms. And the doctor in my hometown said, you know, you need to go to, to University of Chicago. So at that point, I was admitted again. I was there for 17 days. I had a blood transfusion because I had lost so much blood over the course of these months. Um, that was a little you know, difficult to accept. It's like, why am I having a blood transfusion now? They did another colonoscopy and determined I had Crohn's. So after that, I got on an infusion called Remicade and I was good for another five years, but still like drinking, again, not really taking care of myself, you know, kind of like a whatever disease, it's fine. So U of C is known for their gastrointestinal, right? So these are like, that's like the, the best in the world for gastrointestinal. So didn't these guys tell you, hey, like you have Crohn's disease. It's probably not a good idea for you to consume alcohol. You've just gone through like this hellish time. Like, so talk about that. <laughs> like, we all do things that are like a little, you know, like dicey, right? Or like, we go against what, their advice. Yeah. Which, <laughs> what, what was your thinking? Yeah. Like, what did they tell you and what was your thinking? They don't tell you anything. That's the oh problem. These doctors do not tell you anything about diet, anything about it's, it's more like this, maybe don't eat popcorn because, uh, you, it might get stuck. 
or, you know, um, cherries might not be a good idea. Stuff like that. Like you could probably figure that out on your own, but they kind of give you like a warning, like, Hey, a cherry pit could get stuck and you might have to come in for surgery, but it's never like, you know, maybe cut back on the alcohol. Like what are your daily habits? Like, what do you do on the weekend? It's nothing like that. And it's really sad because my doctor who was a resident at the time is now, um, the head of the department. And he is this like literally world renowned doctor. And we've been on several podcasts together and I always talk about the nutrition aspect and he kind of gets pissed. I mean, he's like, but the medication and I'm like, but the gut health. So we kind of have this like, you know, I'm like, how can you not talk about this kind of stuff? And it's only about the meds and it's only about the surgery. And it, and it kind of blows my mind. Yeah. It's, it's like the, uh, the carpenter having a conversation with the iron worker, right? I mean, they're, they're like, they're fundamentally different trades, but they're not. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So it wasn't talked about. It just was like, all right, go, you know, here's your medication. I hope this helps. I mean, it wasn't like that, but you know, he, he is a very kind and caring doctor, but he is just not into nutrition at, at all. He's focused on being an expert in his particular field and that subset. And he gets rewarded for that. And he gets, you know, universal acclaim and he's helped huge amounts of people for that, his specific focus, but it just one piece of the puzzle, right? And it's the piece that that he really cares about because that's what he's rewarded on. But there are other pieces of the puzzle that are pretty important too. I find that baffling that all doctors, no matter which you know discipline you practice, don't have to get some level of certification in dietary health. Because right? years ago when I found that out, I was like, my head just what? Like every doc, like. But uh, so yeah, we talked about sense. that in the past. It's just push, push the pills. Push. The, I mean, I used that's to be just a Western medicine, rep. right? I mean, right. Primarily. So, okay, so I started the infusions. Everything was cool. But I continued, you know, my lifestyle. I was like, I'm not going to give up drinking, like whatever. And then what I decided to do was I'm like, well, gosh, I feel okay. So why? Okay. So the infusion was three hours long every time, every eight weeks. And I'm like, who wants to go sit for three weeks, you know, and get this infusion? So what I would do is I would start to skip a week or like, you know, push it back by a week. So now I'm at nine weeks and I would get it and still feel okay. And I'm like, okay, well, this is cool. Like I can push it back a couple more weeks, you know? So I started doing this and lo and behold, the medication stopped working. So he put me on a few different medications. I went through five medications and failed all of them. And so now I'm at the point where I need surgery. He's like, you know, this is getting bad. We did another colonoscopy. There's a lot of inflammation. You need surgery. And I was like, oh, no big deal. Again, I, I don't know why, but none of this seemed like a big deal to me. Um, so they were going to do a resection, which is basically just taking out the bad part and reconnecting the good part. So I was like, cool, you know, so the day before surgery, they went in and they did a scope and they found that I had no good connective tissue left. And the surgeon wanted to do a total colectomy, which was taking everything out. And I would have a permanent ileostomy. So I'm sure you've heard of a colostomy, but an ileostomy is just uh, coming from the ileum. And it's like, um, it's, a, it's called a stoma. A stoma comes through your abdom- abdominal wall and then you defecate into a bag. So this was never talked about. This was never even an option. And the day before surgery, they're like, oh, this is going to be permanent. And this is going to be your life. And I completely broke down. I had a boyfriend at the time, but I'm like, who's ever going to want to date someone with a bag? You know, I just, I couldn't even like wrap my head around it. Yeah. I had like 
within 15 hours, I was going to have this permanent bag. I mean, my, my, I called my mom like sobbing, like I couldn't even talk, you know, it was just like one of the worst days I think of my life in, in that moment. I remember being so weak though, like crawling to the bathroom that night. I couldn't even stand to walk. That's how weak I was. It was just horrible. And I I just remember walking into surgery thinking, okay, this is going to be okay. My mom was like crying, like, it's going to be okay, you know, and, and you're going to wake up and you're going to feel better and, and everything. And so I woke up and they're like, oh my God, good news. Like Dr. Dr. Rubin, he convinced the surgeon to just divert the route and keep, keep, uh, keep everything, but let's see if it healed. You know, he wanted to see if it healed. So you wouldn't have to have a permanent one and we're going to see if it heals and then we can reconnect you at a later date. So thank God that happened because I had, again, so many problems and issues with the bag. Like I had the pyoderma, the ulcers around the stoma site. So this is a reprieve. This is a momentary reprieve or temporary potentially, right? So you have to be excited. Like I've received second life in more than one ways, right? I completely changed my entire lifestyle. So I got it reconnected and I was like, honestly, like in 2008, I was in the hospital 15 times, like literally like the entire year I was in and out of the hospital due to my habits and what I, and what I did to myself. And I was like, I can't live like this any longer. Like, this is stupid. You know, I'm a huge worrier. I stress out about like the stupidest stuff. I drink all the time. I eat shitty food and I'm like, I'm done. So basically I, I stopped drinking. I, I haven't even had a drink in uh, a year and a half. But I mean, before this, like way before, you know, I, um, I just like cut way back. I'm like, I'm going to stress less. I'm going to start walking more. I need to get out of my head because I'm always in my head. I started meditating. I started sourcing all of my food from um, farms, which I, I know maybe like went to the extreme, but I'm like, I don't care. I never want to go back to that life again. Where did you get the ideas for some of these changes that you make? Was this intuitive? Or did you do research? Like, how were you getting there? Like, today we take it for granted that, oh, you just go on the internet and figure it all out. And in 2008, you could figure a lot of stuff out just going on the internet. But, but what did you do? Like, what, what, you know, you, you have this moment where you say, I have to turn things around. I know I'm doing some bad stuff. I know I shouldn't be drinking. I know I should be following my regimen. But these other things you're talking about are different. So where, how did you come up with that? A lot of it happened in the, laying in the hospital bed. Like, what can I do differently? Like, I cannot come back to this life. And I mean, I'm like, I need, like, I've always been like a healthy eater. So I'm like, what's the next step? You know, like, I'm really big into like, how animals are treated. Like, I have two dogs. I love animals. Like, how can I go up to the next step? Like, is Purdue chicken really the best kind of chicken? Probably not. Like, let's look at what Purdue chicken's made out of and how the animals are treated. Again, back to the animals. But I'm like, this, that's, this isn't good. I shouldn't be eating Purdue chicken. Like I need the best of the best. What it sounds like you're telling me is that you have an, an intuitive idea that, okay, I have not treated myself very well. I am going to make a commitment to myself that I am going to try and in every way possible in terms of, you know, what kinds of foods I put into my body in terms of, you know, how much, in terms of, you know, how much rest I get in terms of how much stress I'm willing to put myself through in terms of how much exercise I, I do and, and how regimented that exercise is and how, how considered, you know, my, my food choices down to, 
you know, what, what, who is my producer for this type of protein or this type of, you know, so you just had a, a, this is an overall idea. You didn't have, you, you weren't guided by like a ton of experts. You didn't do like, you didn't buy like 20 self-help books and like take the best of all of them. You just said to yourself, Hey, I know that I could be doing better and I am going to do better. And I'm going to make a commitment to myself to do better for myself. 100%. And I think also too, I had an eating disorder from the age of 15 on. So you can only imagine that coupled with the Crohn's. I mean, you know, here I was restricting my food, exercising compulsively. I also did bodybuilding shows um, after, after I got the ileostomy. So I had it reversed, but after I got it reversed, I did a, a few bodybuilding shows. And again, you're not treating yourself kindly through that. So I kind of went through, like, I thought when I was doing the bodybuilding shows, like, this is the ultimate form of self-care, like a bodybuilding show. Like I am like eating so regimentedly and I'm in the gym three times a day. But again, I went from that to being like, oh my God, why am I at the gym three times a day? You know, and, but it stemmed from the eating disorder. I was a gymnast as well. So it all stemmed from that. And that's when I kind of was like, all right, no, what do I really need to do? Like, I really need to nourish myself with healthy food and I need to look at how much protein I'm eating. And am I eating the right kind of protein, you know, for my body and how many vegetables and fruits am I getting? Because I would restrict all that before. I'm like, I can't eat sugar. I can't eat a banana. Do you know how many grams of sugar a banana has in it? I have a friend who I, I told him one time I was trying to eat healthy and I like I had my oats and nuts and all in a bowl and with with, you know, almond milk and all this stuff. And at the bottom, I, I'd have a sliced banana. And when I said banana, he was like, banana. <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, do you know how much? sugar is in a banana like and i was like uh no and i really not that concerned um but yeah i mean so the focus goes now from aesthetics because if you're if you're focused on the nth to the nth degree on aesthetics yes you know you you don't want maybe the the the, the fruit in, or the, the banana in that banana you would choose a different <laughs> fruit right you choose berries or something about totally that day, yes right? i'm like right, yes right? yes but if you're focused on like hey how healthy am i like wh- how am i getting enough potassium am i recovering all that kind of stuff you say hey a banana is fantastic i, I can live with a little extra sugar that's fine because i'm getting all this natural good stuff from the banana so Sounds like your focus shifted from, hey, the aesthetics, how other people perceive you to how am I feeling? Yeah. Every, every day, like, how am I feeling? Like I was tired when I was bodybuilding. I mean, we were literally at the gym three times. I did it with my best friend. So literally like you're exhausted, right? I mean, it's cardio, it's strength training. You're eating like, you know, three ounces of chicken with your, literally you count out the almonds, 10 almonds. Um, yeah. And I'm like, I'm not feeling good. And I'm not sleeping well and I'm tired. And I, again, I'm like, I don't want to feel this way. It's like, you know, I moved from like that whole illness to like a different, a different focus, yeah, yeah. a different focus. But now I'm like, all right, I need to move from to a new focus, which is now where I'm at today. So, which is your, (laughs) your general health. How are you feeling? How are you moving? How are you functioning? Like, how is, like, how good is your day? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. How am I sleeping? Like, I'm not tired when I wake up. Again, where's my meat coming from? I get my eggs from a farm. Like, they're so colorful and beautiful. And I'm eating, like, a ton of, um, you know, greens. And I'm getting the proper nutrients. And I'm, I feel so much better. And I'm not stressing as much. How has the, 
the shift in focus from how do I look, how do other people perceive me, to how do I feel? How, what has that done for your mental health? Do you feel a ton? Because I I don't care what other people perceive. I don't other I don't care like what you think I look like now. I only care what I look and I feel like. So it's it's like a huge like weight has been lifted off my shoulders. You know, I wouldn't go to the beach in a bikini. I wouldn't wear shorts and like who wants to live like that? That's stressful. You know, I wear I used to wear like big baggy clothes and and now I'm like I don't care because I feel like I look good and I only need to look good for myself and I and most importantly like I feel good. So you know, I'm not stressed. I'm not waking up like stressed about it. Like it's, it's fine. I can wear whatever I want and do what I want. What proportion of that shift do you attribute to, you know, sort of what you learned dealing with the disease and and sort of being forced to make these changes versus let's say just growing up and growing older and, and becoming a little wiser. What do you, what do you think? Like, where would you be had you not had the disease? Would you be at the club partying still? That's an interesting question. <laughs> you don't have to answer that one. <laughs> I mean, probably, I don't know. Like, I was drinking a lot, you guys. I mean, I was drinking like what's a lot? Like when I hear a woman say, "I was like," is it? Did you mean on the weekends, or you were drinking during no, the week? Like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. And when I go out, I stay out till five. So I'm staying out until five, and then I had a job. I mean, I had like a real job too. <laughs> So I would go into the job. Until you got fired on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes, you went out Wednesday. Oh, it's, all, it's all making sense now. Okay. <laughs> no, no. no kidding, but kidding, I, kidding. I just love to drink. You know, it's not like my parents. Were, it's not like I, I came from that kind of family background. They didn't drink. I, I just loved to party and I love club music. And I'm like, I used to dance. Like I used to go-go dance. So like, it was like kind of, you know, when you're a bartender, you're in that environment. And I was in that environment a lot. And I would probably still be going out a lot and drinking. I mean. The last drink I literally had was last April. And and I was like, I don't I don't miss it. I don't think about it. Someone's like, let's go get a beer. It literally makes me gag. Like I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. But I think I still would be I, I would yeah, I would still so, probably Yeah. So but not for the Crohn's disease, but not for the moment where, you know, sort of your life flashes before you and you say, Oh my God, like I'm going to have a basically a colostomy bag, right? I mean, like I'm going to be attached to a colostomy bag and who's going to really want to be so blah, 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 you know, like, so even though there are plenty of people who have a colostomy bag who can live, you know, pretty normal lives and, and they can find, you know, but yes, the, 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 the fear of that is particularly for a woman, I think, you know, would be huge. So you have the wake up moment and everything changes. Which is, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, in some ways it was a gift, right? Your disease was a gift. 1000%. And I mean, I can literally remember lying in the hospital bed saying, I will never drink again. I am going to change my entire life around. This is not worth it. Like I, I just remember going outside because I could, I could wheel my IV, um, you know, my IV outside with me. And just laying in the grass and being like, this is the most beautiful moment, like to feel the grass again, because I was in the hospital so much and like feeling the grass. And I have this picture of me like laying in the sun and my boyfriend at the time took it and I was smiling. I was so happy. And I remember the drive home, like the drives, the drive homes, or how would you say that? Every drive home, just like looking at the greenery and it was like being let out of jail. I'm like, I cannot keep coming back to this jail. Like, this is horrible. 
you know, and, and I was an athlete in high school and in college for a while. And I've always been very competitive and now I can't even walk 10 feet down the hallway. Like I need help. Like that's messed up to me. You know, like I couldn't stand long enough to brush my teeth. Like, come on. So where are you now? So talk about your day now. Talk about what you do now. Talk about, you know, sort of how you live now. Start with this morning, the habits. The habits. habits. (laughs) I was just going to say, let's get into the daily stuff. You know, we always ask our our guests how they start their day. Is there something you make sure you practice in the morning? It's It's a habit that you must do. What did you knock out today? So I do practice gratitude. I think that's huge. Um, for me, at least, like I say three things I'm grateful for in the morning and I just, I just like it. It just brings me, you know, back to earth. Like I am very fortunate. Like I, I love what I do and I get to travel a lot. And I I'm so thankful that I'm living this life because it could be a completely different life. So I practice gratitude in the morning. I have a journal. I, I journal a ton. And then I also do stretches in bed which is just like a book opener. So, you know, you're laying on your side and just opening up, stretching the chest because a lot of people, they're like, I don't have time to stretch or I don't have time to get that movement. You're laying in bed, like, dude, it takes two minutes just to move your arm around, you know, and to move your knees side to side, especially people with back pain. Like it, it literally takes two minutes. And I like to do that before I get out of bed. So those are the two, the two things that I really like to do (laughs) every day. Tell us a little bit about your your life now and sort of how you live it and, and what you do and all that kind of good stuff. So I'm a personal trainer. I have my own business. And what, it's a kind of ironic because I was a pharmaceutical rep. So here I am like trying to get these doctors to prescribe drugs. And it was just such a um, unfulfilling career. I mean, going and, you know, push this medication for cholesterol and push this for hypertension and but why would we ask about the lifestyle? That's, you know, again, like you said in the beginning, like that's, why would we do that? Let's just give them the medication and then provide another medication to combat the side effects for this medication. And I'm like, this is like awful. Like, why am I doing it? Yes, it's great money. I get a car, yada, 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 but it's so unfulfilling. I hated it. I mean, I liked it in the beginning because it was like cool and fun and different, but then I'm like, no, this is not, this is not where I want to end up. So uh, I started my own personal training business with one client and it's growing and it's really big now and it's super fun. And I love empowering people to make different changes. You know, they come to me and they're like, I'm overweight. I can't sleep. I feel like crap every day. I eat McDonald's for lunch and dinner and a bagel for breakfast. And it's like, dude, you have one body, you have one life, and this is what you're going to do with it. And I'm like, no, let's just like, start small and see where we can make, you know, small, small, small changes because they get overwhelmed so easily. On your website, you mentioned, you emphasize as you get older, you prioritize strength training more than cardio. Obviously that hit home with me being in my fifties. And I, I always try to, in the last couple of years, you know, where I used to do more strength training four or five days a week, then I started incorporating more cardio. Now I find myself going back more to strength training So why do you emphasize and push that for people as they're getting older? Because we lose muscle mass as we age. So if you look at older people who stop working out or who haven't worked out, I mean, they're frail. If they fall, it's usually, you know, they're going to break a hip or they're going to break, you know, whatever they land on. And that's not good. I mean, this is one thing I tell every client who starts with me, like we are going to be strength training and we are going to be increasing the weight and you're going to push yourself. Like, Muscle is the organ of longevity. That's what I tell people. 
I mean, you need to keep muscle on your body to, you, you know, like just for everything. I mean, for day-to-day life, like you're, you're still carrying your groceries. You want to hang out with your kids. You want to pick them up like a weak person, your back's going to go, you're going to start to get aches and pains, you know, but you don't have to live like that. So I definitely strength training is here for me. Cardio is here. Not everybody could see it on the video. I just want to reiterate for all of the people that are listening. So strength training is very high very and cardio high. is pretty low. And, and Lonnie, I am so glad that you are coming over to the light side. Me and too. You will, you will now be powerlifting with me. No, I like still won't hit the squat rack. No, no, I'm not doing any of that. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'll use my dumbbells, <laughs> at, you know, tw- two or three days a week, but I'm, you will never see me do a squat again with a bar. That's just because of some injuries I went through. And that's fine. Yeah. Oh, look at that. He's coming up with excuses. He's no, no. <laughs> telling everybody bad information, misinformation from hey. our co-host. I got you. No, no, no. Can, not at you all, need no, no. to make yourself stronger no, to, in I, order to Sarah, be able to squat. Sarah, Why wouldn't you, you want to squat? I do right? squats, but you, I'm not saying I'm, you're not going to see me doing 225 on a squat rack. That's just oh, not happening. We're going to get you there. We're going to yeah. get you there. Right, Sarah? Come on. Yes. Those yes. Days I think are... we, we can all work out. We'll do it. We'll do it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But Sarah, I, I know you can agree with this. Like everybody, you know, depending on what you're going to prescribe somebody for their workout regimen, depends on where they're at in their life, physically, um, what they eat, what disease they might be fighting, it, everybody and how they're going to approach lifting weights or approaching cardio all determines on where they're at and what their body can take. You know, I would never tell somebody not to lift heavy weights or lift heavy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying where I'm at, you know, I've been working out for literally 40 years. I mean, I know my body and, but the thing, my thirst for knowledge is one of the reasons why we decided to do this podcast is I constantly want to learn more. And I always want to try new things and, you know, it's what I'm very passionate about and I'll never stop trying new methods or new types of equipment or whatever it is to see how my body's going to react. Now, in the same breath, I can also say what I don't need to do anymore because I know it's just not what my body needs at this particular time. And that's all I'm saying. 100%. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I know Marty just tries to get me. Whenever I bring that up, he's like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> but at the Your same time, when we work out, to me and Marty work legs. out together now and then. I'll have him try some of my stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, exactly. It's like swimming. You're using muscles. You never. Absolutely. You're right. 100%. Hard. Right. I just think as a society, we're very, you know, like fat focused. And we need to move more towards muscle, muscle centric. Like everyone's so worried about the losing the like the last five to 10 pounds. Well, what if you didn't worry about losing those last five to 10 pounds, but put on some muscle instead, like your body will change, you know, stop focusing on like, Oh God, I have the 10 pounds to lose. No, like let's, let's work on the weight and your, I promise you, I promise your body will change. That's so what I we think preach. Like- we hate the term counting calories. I can't stand that. It's just lifestyle changes. And again, where you're at and your process and what you need to adjust and either take out or add or whatever that case may be. With that's a perfect segue into this next topic. Um, we don't have to get too scientific about it, but gut health, right? And oh yeah, kinda, I love gut health. It's blown up. It's it's a marketing, it's a it's a sensation word that everybody uses right now for marketing, but it is a serious thing. And I think everybody should be more cognizant of how important it is to look for certain signs that your gut is not 
doing well, right? The leaky gut and your microbiome. Brain and all fog. That and, brain right, fog, you know? Right, um, right. So if you want to spend a couple minutes and, and tell our listeners, what are some of the red flags as it relates to their gut might need some attention? Eating something and not feeling that great, right? So that could be like, maybe you have a gluten sensitivity because every food now I feel like has gluten, especially pre- pre- packaged foods, you know, and people are obviously eating the packaged foods. So you're not feeling that great. You're waking up with that foggy brain. You're kind of like, God, I, I feel like I'm in a fog. So that's like another symptom. Just eating crappy foods and drinking alcohol is going to kind of like damage your gut in itself. So maybe, and maybe you're so used to the symptoms, you don't even really recognize that you have any. But once you pull that food out and heal your gut through, you know, through food, then you'll be like, wow, how did I ever not notice? Or I think people are just so used to living the way they live. They don't even notice what's going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Our society is just living on convenience, everything being at your fingertips. And that means it's being processed, right? To be packaging, to have sustainability on shelves and everything else, that means it's processed, which is effectively going to affect your gut. That's one of the reasons, I'm glad you had on that um, brain fog. That's the number one reason why I tried plant-based eating uh, two years ago. Um, I'm not 100% plant-based, but I'm pro- everything at home, I eat plant-based. When I go out to eat, I've loosened up a little bit. I'll eat a little meat here and a little meat there. But my brain fog, I don't deal with it anymore. I would That's have amazing. chicken- like four days a week and, you know, I'd have a big lunch. And and if I was in a meeting, you know, an hour later, whatever, I would literally like, loot. yeah, exactly. And I'm like, this is not fair because I, I take care of myself. I work out four or five, six days a week, whatever. I do cardio. I do this. Why am I dealing with these inflammation issues? You know? And that's when I started doing my research. But again, I don't tell everybody they should eat plant-based. It just depends on what else you're eating in in your dietary routine. And I was eating way too much meat. Yeah. And everyone's different. Like that affected you. Like I, I personally eat a lot of, I don't say a lot of meat, but I get my protein in because again, I want to continue to build muscle. I don't want to lose muscle. I'm getting older. And so I do make sure I eat my body weight in protein and I, I don't do well with beans and you probably do since you're plant-based. I, I don't do with beans, lentils. Yeah. yeah. See, I can't, I don't eat, do well with lentils. And this is what I figured out on my own, you know, um, but I just, what's your main protein that. source? What's your main protein source now? Chicken, fish, egg. I love eggs, cottage cheese. I eat cottage cheese like every single day. See, and that's what they'll say too. Like dairy can be inflammatory with a person who has Crohn's, but I mean, I eat it every single day and I'm fine. How about yogurt? Do you eat yogurt? Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. yeah okay. I'm traveling and I brought it. So we had some previous guests on and they, they were, you know, they were very much into gut health. And I, I think I asked them, hey, what is the, like the, the number one food, the number one thing you do sort of that you think is, is positive for gut health? And they were like, Greek yogurt. <laughs> they were like, Greek yogurt, Greek yogurt, Greek yogurt. They were like, they were big into Greek yogurt. So one, if you could opine, hey, like, do you think Greek yogurt is pretty solid for your gut? And then two, other than Greek yogurt, what is something else that you can add, uh, you know, habitually sort of on a regular basis? Because I feel like for you, cottage cheese, other people can add, you know, some Greek yogurt every morning and, and, and do that. That seems like a pretty simple thing to do. And by the way, when you do the Greek yogurt, be careful what kind and what brand and how sweet. Exactly. Again, right. Stuff. Yes. You know, so look at the labels. Um, exactly. But if, if you could talk about something that, that, uh, you know, is you, you consider very good for gut health 
other than Greek yogurt? Um, I love bone broth. And Lani, I don't know if you would drink that because you're plant-based, but are you guys familiar with bone broth? A little bit. Okay. So it's, it's basically just the bones of, and I would say a good chicken because I would never go to, I know this is, I don't want to sound like a snob, but I wouldn't go to Whole Foods and buy a chicken. I'd get one from a farm. And you just boil like the bones with um, broccoli or not, I'm sorry, not broccoli, celery, carrot, like a ton of spices and you just let it simmer. And that, that the minerals and stuff from the bones like seep out into, it's basically just broth. So you're left with broth at the end. You can make a soup out of it. You could sip on it and it has a lot of protein in it and it's so good for your gut lining. So I love that. I mean, I think it's delicious. You can buy it. You can buy it pre-made too. You don't have to make it, but it's 10 times cheaper when you make it. Can you, so you can get that pre-made similar recipe at a Whole Foods, let's say? It, they have it in the freezer section and they have it on um, stabilized on the shelf. So they have both. But like you can also, I went, um, I'm in Upper State in New York right now. And I found this little store called Culture, Culture Corner or something. She makes her own. And so it was 90 degrees out and they sold ice cream. But I'm like, I'll take the bone broth. So she's like, okay. <laughs> so it was this amazing, like the best bone broth I had ever had. Like so much flavor because some of it's like kind of blah, you know, and that's why people probably get a bad taste in their mouth about it. Or like, it's a bad rap, like no flavor, but this was like bursting with flavor. And I'm like, holy cow, like, how do you make this? And she's like, well, I use chicken feet. I use a chicken back and that gives it a ton of flavor with all the other like lemongrass and cumin and coriander. So I can't wait to go home and make that. But that's the first one. Also kombucha. I love kombucha. Are you guys familiar with that? Okay. So I drink kombucha a lot, but sometimes that can affect people the wrong way. It can put actually put too much, too much good gut bacteria into their gut, and then they can develop SIBO. So that's like something else. But you guys, you just gotta listen to your body, you know. Listen to I your mean, body. That's it. Trial and error. See what see what works for you. Well, listen. Before we start winding down the conversation, let's get into towards the end of the day routines because I know you you emphasize stress, reducing stress. Um, it's usually at the end of the day when we're carrying a lot on our shoulders and it can affect our sleeping and everything else. So what are the things you do at the end of the day to wind down? I like to meditate. Again, I have this um, a meditation app. It's like five minutes and I just lay there and listen to her voice. That's very calming for me personally. I also love to walk. I walk a ton, anywhere up to like 20,000 steps a day. I also have two dogs, so it helps but walking clears my head. I mean, if I'm having like a rough day or I, you know, can't figure out a problem or a client is upsetting me for whatever reason, I get, I get very into um, their life as well. Like, cause I want them to succeed. So if they're not like doing what they're supposed to do, it really affects me. <laughs> but um, I walk, I just get, I put my headphones on, listen to a podcast or music. I love music and I'll just walk, 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 and I'll get out of my head. Or I'll go do like, I have a base, uh, bike in my basement. I'll just do like a quick, like 10 minute, you know, get this energy out. And I like hot baths too. I take a lot of baths just to wind down too, because I have, I do have trouble sleeping sometimes. And that seems to help with Epsom salt. Nice. I, I haven't taken a bath. This is going to sound gross, but I've been taking a, taking time to taking a bath in a year. I don't know the last how about you, Marty? When was the last time you took uh, a bath? It was about a week ago. What? There you go. Wow. Yes. Oh, that's wait. You you were in Europe last week, so you're probably in some fancy oh, bathtub. You're like, yeah. I'm taking advantage of that. <laughs> uh, I was pretty much demanded. It was a it was a uh, 
yeah, my, my presence was uh, requested. Oh, let's change the topic real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Hint, wink, 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 wink. All right. Before we go, Sarah, why don't you tell our listeners about your, your platform? So like I said, I am a personal trainer, but I only do virtual now. So like one-on-one through virtual, which I love. I don't have to travel anymore. I used to travel to people's homes, but this is great. And then I recently just launched a new program, new programs. So the basic one is 35 bucks a month. It's like super cool because everything's programmed for you. It's in an app. It comes to your phone. You can see what exercise you're doing, how many reps, how many sets. Um, And it's easy. You know, you just follow along and you check it off and you do it. And then if you're like, well, God, I need accountability. I'm not going to do this on my own. I offer two other programs with accountability. So we're checking in. I'm looking at your form. You know, if you've never worked out before, like, that would be the better option if, if, you know, the price point is right, just so I can check your form throughout the week and we're in contact. It's more accountability. And then the third program up, there's also nutrition help involved. So they keep a food journal. I check it out. I make suggestions. Um, you know, are you eating the right foods for your body? Are you eating enough? Like, how can we like fix your diet? Because a lot of clients do come to me who want to lose fat. And if they're continuing to eat over what their body needs, I mean, they're not going to lose it. So we need to like, you know, dial that in. So that's what I do. And, and I love it. And I used to cook for clients too, but that, that was a lot. So I stopped that's that. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Marty, do you have any other questions? No, this has been awesome. I loved, uh, you know, hearing about your journey and, and sort of what brought you to where you are now, which, uh, you know, for, for, We've, we've, we've talked to lots of different people and it's always something different. Different people have different, you know, journeys and, and, uh, they are moved to a better place in different ways. So I think the important thing is, is to, to be open to being moved to a better place. (laughs) 100%. Yes. Yes. That's what it's all about. It is. It really is. Well, thank you again, Sarah, so much. Uh, Enjoyed the conversation and everybody, if you want to learn more about Sarah and her, platform check out befitbysarah.com i'm also going to have Sarah.com. The, yep. yeah, links to her website and social media handles in the show notes um so stay tuned for that and if you haven't done so already make sure you subscribe to the show like this episode if you know somebody that can relate to this story and is facing some adversity and needs a little push needs some advice or motivation to get back on track to living a better healthier lifestyle share this episode really appreciate it until next time Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.